0: Welcome to The Build-Up on Balls.ie, in association with Labbrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information.
1: Hello and welcome to The Build-Up on Balls.ie, where we get you hyped for the sporty weekend and beyond this week, because my name is Mark and This week I'm joined by Donnie Mahoney, and we are going to preview the Premier League season, Donnie. We're not just looking forward to the weekend. We're looking forward to nine months, possibly 11 months, if <laughs> this last season was happening to go by, of uh, football content.
2: I can't wait. I mean, our autumn of sport is slow to kick off, but with the NFL season kicking off this week as well, this is just like such a massive uh, weekend for the return of sport. The, um, the Ireland international pictures, I think, whetted everyone's appetite for the return of of football last weekend and now here we are Saturday landed right into it again kind of strange and different kind of the same uh it's very exciting
1: yeah definitely And we've got Kevin Doyle coming up on the show he's going to give us his picks for the entire Premier League season I think it's called future bets you call them in America American sport Donnie, is it yeah, kind that's of what we said. who's going to win it who's going to finish the Champions League places all that kind of crack we're also going to be talking to Stephen Ferris because there's a small matter of an All-Irish Pro 14 final this weekend. Leinster against Ulster. I am a happy Ulster supporter, Johnny. That was some comeback of the weekend.
2: Jeez, Mark. I know you're a long-suffering Ulster fan, and this is, uh, this is the, the arrival of, of Ian Madigan on the scene has really given uh, Ulster a, a sort of the shot in the arm that the club needed. And now um, all of these sort of like... Dublin expats who've moved up to Belfast to play for Ulster have this sort of funny shot at glory uh, this weekend against this kind of invincible Leinster team. It should be a really interesting game.
1: Definitely. I can't wait to chat to Stephen about that. We'll also be playing one, two, three, and, of course, the big shout. I was away last week and I heard a rumour, Donnie, that you came very, very close to actually pulling it off, to be the first of the people involved in the podcast to win the two cakes in the sports biography.
2: Yeah, any time I've ever been involved with the big shot, I've performed woefully. I've gotten everything wrong, and uh, this was different in the fact that, um, weirdly, two of the first two—it uh, was a 3 bet accumulator—and I made uh, the first two came through. Ireland draw against Bulgaria, uh, one all. I think that is the most obvious bet in the whole world. Uh, and then Leinster to win by more than seven against Munster, and you know, I think there, it was close enough, but we got there, and then. All we were doing was waiting on this England team to sort of score more than four goals against, uh, score more than three goals against Iceland. And wouldn't you know, the lads were just a little bit distracted uh, with their kind of antics in the hotel room and this kind of stuff. And we just didn't it's, get anywhere.
1: It's, yeah, like England, I don't know, they're slowly actually morphing into the Ireland team, the Mick, the Mick McCarty, Martin O'Neill type Ireland team, I'm thinking, because or you've got obviously Grealish finally getting the call up. Uh, Declan Rice in there they decided to start Gareth out get started against Denmark with three defensive central midfielders for some reason um, yeah. and ended up with a did all draw so I don't know it's, they're, they're, I don't, it's, they should be more exciting than they are um, and I can see where you were thinking in terms of uh, the goals in your big shout and I don't know what's going on with them yeah
2: they just I mean they scored so many goals in the past two years and um, I don't know. For some reason, Southgate decided to start Ward Prowse uh, and like leave all these exciting attacking players that he has on the bench. And at the end of the day, yeah, I don't know. It's maybe maybe Southgate's looking to Martin O'Neill's Ireland to say, like, look, this is this is what the fans want. This is what the people want. Fortunately, I I, I got screwed at the end because like I, I really thought that was the surest bet of the whole thing. I just England seemed like they would just been scoring goals uh, at will, uh, but now. I don't know. It seems like the the Denmark game was proof that there so seems to be something kind of amiss there. But I think it, it sort of is an interesting sort of uh, it's an interesting sort of signal ahead of the Premier League season that we saw it with Ireland and with England that like these guys might be like in terrible shape at the moment and complete you know the whole disrupted schedule I think could really have a massive effect on how these games go because a lot of lads are very much winded
1: and out of shape. Yeah, definitely. Just definitely a strange, strange preseason. But you know what? Let's actually jump straight into it because we're going to chat to Kevin Dyle now in just two seconds. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, you can do so by searching the build up on balls.de and all good podcast apps. Please also do rate and review the show while you're there. But without further ado, here's Kevin Dyle. So we are delighted to have Kevin Dyle on the line again to preview the entire Premier League season. Uh, Kevin, hmm. it is now the 9th of September. Call it. Who's going to win the Premier League?
3: Um, I am going what I predicted last year Man City I think they'll just be a little bit more consistent this season Um, I'm saying a rake of players but um, no one has apart from Chelsea so uh, yeah I think Man City will be a bit stronger Um, I wasn't sure if Guardiola will stay he has so I think he'll be hungry to to come back and and show everyone who's boss
1: Do you find it strange that Man City are so heavy I'm just looking at the odds on Labrooks. And um, they're eight to eleven to win it out. Liverpool two to one. When you consider all right, Liverpool kind of took their foot off the gas after the Premier League wrapped up. Is it strange that City are such heavy favourites going into it?
3: Um, probably that they're such heavy. I'm not surprised they're favourites. Uh, I think Liverpool so far anyway haven't made any signings. They they use a lot of. A lot of energy to win their games they they you know and over the last couple of years from new york getting to champions league win the champions league and, and then win the league last year they did look i don't know it's after the lockdown and, and the new to win the league they just looked a bit tired near the end to me and that's why i go at man city as well and i suppose that's why the bookies probably have to or with um or go with man city and not not sticking with liverpool um i'm sure they'll be hungry and want to come out and, and prove everyone wrong obviously they're the champions but um, I just think, in as well as straight and dead man City probably have a stronger squad do have a stronger squad um so yeah liverpool fans won 't be happy with me saying that, but uh, it 's for it's for their champions and it 's for them to come out and, and and do it again and and you know not just be a one season they 'll create a legacy that 's there i suppose what they 'll be aiming for their their target something to give them hunger this season to go again and um, to do it twice and um, you know wouldn 't be surprised if they do, but that's, I just think man city will
1: uh, in terms of your top four we were asking you off air beforehand to come up with your prediction for the season who are you going for third and fourth
3: Right, I'm going so Man City first Liverpool second Chelsea third and Man United fourth with Wolves just nearly sneaking in there um, Chelsea like, they're the team who's going to spend all the money and uh, I know they couldn't send anyone last year and they're, they're making up for that but they've spent serious money um, really gone for it i the only question mark is they're all new and trying to tie them all together. And Frank Lampard is such a, I suppose, inexperienced manager. Um, so that's the, the reason maybe I don't have them challenging. Um, but if he can tie that all together, they won't be a million miles away. And um, they did a good season last year with these players of trying to fit them all in. But you know, it can only be a positive spending that money, and it looks to be a good club at the moment, back on the up. I know for Chelsea, third, but very close to the top two. And Man United um, didn't work quiet for a few weeks there. There was all talks of him spending a lot of money didn't put this sign under Beek from ex Looks a good player. Seen him play a couple of times last season Um, and he does look a decent sign and hopefully they'll add one or two to that. But um, at the moment I have them in fourth unless they can make a couple of big signs before the transfer window shuts. Um, Yeah, have them in fourth. Kevin, do you
2: put any uh, stock into Arsenal's performance at the end of the season um, and the kind of optimism that's around what Arteta is starting to do or do you think they'll be tripping over themselves as they always seem to be? Mm.
3: I think there's an improvement last year. Like last year, at the Cup final, and was it eighth in the league? I'm not sure. Yeah, eighth. Yeah, so, but they did finish on a positive note and they did seem to have turned the corner. They haven't really gone and signed too many players. so. Um, but I do, I, I like that the, their fans seem a bit more happy. they spent so many years uh, it's sort of an internal battle in the club between Provenger and not Provenger and owners and who likes the owners, who doesn't like the owners. And all that. It seems to settle in a little bit. There seems to be a bit more stability. There. Everyone seems to be on on side with Arteta, but they haven't really gone and signed too many players. So um, I don't see them breaking into the top four anyway. No but Improvement on eighth. And I think mm. that's the minimum. They, they should expect that. They should improve. I think it'll be a disaster if they don't, but I don't see them getting in the top four. Um, they, they need to spend a lot more money between now and the transfer window. Um, I, you know, I, I again I put wolves ahead of them in who they've signed and and how they played last season. Um, so, you know, still a long way to go for Arsenal, I think. But I think they're on the right track, and I do like Arte He speaks well, he manages well. He, he well, from what I see, you know, um, and and he does seem to have got that club sort of everyone on singing on the same hymn sheet. So, um, yeah, but it won't happen next year, I don't think. You touched
1: on it with Chelsea there in terms of we were looking at it. Forehand, I'm like looking at some of the clubs like Arsenal who haven't signed many players yet. And I'm thinking, geez, this is worrying for them. But then you look, think of it with Chelsea, given the type of pre-season the clubs are having at the moment, it's a strange one where players are just back in the door. They have to go ready again. Maybe with tighter squads like the like United or um, Arsenal have, that it might actually be a benefit to them uh, for the first few months of the season. As Chelsea maybe have, you know, there's going to be a lot of upheaval that yeah. fit all those players yeah. in.
3: Valid point, yeah. No, definitely. It's a, you know, like there's you know, still players away on international duty and basically have no, like just looking with Ireland, Matt Daugherty went from the Europa League with Wolves. I don't know if he had a couple of weeks, he must have only had maybe a week or two off Max and, and straight away with Ireland and gone and moved club and into Spurs and, you know, no time to settle in there. So that's going to be the Chelsea have that, you know, with six or seven players. So um, it will be tough to get them all. They're all human beings as well. So they all have to move. You know, they're not just coming. And nearly all of them, I think, apart from Chilwell have have moving from outside of England. So they all have to move and do what normal humans do and find yeah. houses to live in, find places for their kids and keep their wives happy and, and get everything. So all that stuff takes from what you can do every day and training and what you can concentrate on your on your, your job. You have to sort your life side life outside of it. And they'll have people helping them and all that, but they still have to go and do it. It's not straightforward. So that that does affect you. Um, Definitely, and it will, it's, you know, I, I read Frank Lampard was saying something yesterday about he, he asked his wife how to, you know, some players, and they discuss players and what might be going on, not just on the pitch, but what might be affecting them off the pitch, and it's a valid, valid point, you Definitely. know, I, um, thinking of why they might be upset, why they might be moody, you know, there's, there's so many things that go into with managing top players, uh, managing any player or any person in any job, to be honest, with you, so, um, that side of it, that Chelsea may struggle with in the first you know, it takes a month to six weeks for you to settle into a new club, really, and be comfortable in your area and get into a house or whatever it might be. So, before we see the best out of those players um, and get them into training and the way he wants to play and, you know, the different things. Um, you know, we spoke a lot about last week just with Ireland and, and the new manager and how trying to get them into a shape and a system. And, and he'll have that problem with Chelsea. So, you're right. Liverpool is going to be no change, straight out the door. Might be able to start quickly. Man City, the same. Yeah, Chelsea are the ones who will struggle a bit. Um, I suppose looking at Arsenal yet yeah, should be able to go straight out the door and start well, but it's only really Chelsea who have who've got that yeah. problem. The rest of them yeah, the rest of them haven't really, you know, the whole league going through it. They've all maybe signed one player. I know they're still the transfer room is still open, still going. Um no one has really come out and apart from Chelsea and, and going to have a big upheaval.
1: Yeah, it's maybe Everton trying to fit in five thousand midfielders. Well, but looking yeah. at the other end of the table, uh, we your relegation predictions, who are you looking at?
3: Right, so I just had a quick not-true before I came on. Um, so I'm going to upset half the league here. I quickly, <laughs> who I think could be involved, and I'll give you the ones who I'm going to go for, but West Brom, Brighton, Southampton, Burnley, Palace, Fulham, Leeds, Sheffield United, West Ham, and Aston Villa. Any of those, in my opinion, um, are contenders. That none of them have you know, gone out and made big signs, spent a lot of money. Um, Leeds, for me, could be one where they either have a fantastic season or a disaster. I don't think it'll be anything in the middle. Um, Sounds very Leeds all right. <laughs> yeah, and, and the manager has a history of sort of, you know, leaving after a couple of years. He, They did well to keep him last year and he's fantastic since so he's been there. been a revelation obviously, but he has a history of sort of up and six and going once he's done his job. Um, but I'm sure he's delighted to get to the top, the top league in England, to get to the Premier League. Um, but I just feel if if it if they have a bad start, he could be gone after seven, eight, nine games, that sort of thing. Um, but then you could also see them having a tremendous season. they doing a Sheffield United on last year. Sheffield United, I think, might struggle struggle with that second season. They remind me of uh, when I was at Reading years ago, and we had such a good first season. And they haven't gone out and and really strengthened a whole lot from what I can see. Um, haven't signed any players, so see them maybe struggling. Palace haven't signed many players. Um, none of them, to be honest, have gone. I suppose they're all on an equal front. None have gone. Out. Burnley really struggled last year. They they strengthened near the end, but they've lost players and haven't replaced them as well. Um, yeah, so there's, there's a list there. If I had to pick three, just looking at it, I would go um, Burnley. Burnley... Um, West Brom and West Ham. West, West Ham West doesn't Ham. seem to be a happy club. Just ah. even the last week, play, their captain is coming out and talking, uh, giving out about the player, uh, Dean Gana. I think, was sold to West Brom, wasn't it? Um, and, and coming out unhappy about it. And I think from what you read, David Moyes didn't want him to be sold. So that, that's not a good sign, is it? And they haven't really signed anyone either. So it um, could be their time. Um, Thought last season they might go, so I'm going to throw them in there into it. Uh, just, just be always seems to be an unsettled club. Um, so yeah, but any said so that list I gave you is a long list, and I'm you know throwing everyone in under there. But um, there's potential where you could see in any of those clubs struggling. In this game they could easily have a great season. Leeds could have a great season. Sheffield United could do what they did last year again. They seem a good club and well run. The manager very popular and comes across very well. But Equally, if you don't strengthen, you don't improve year on year. It's very difficult.
1: Yeah, definitely. West, uh, West Ham are seven to two on Labrooks to go down. You're looking at Burnley at ten to three, and they are the teams like Burnley or another team like that that could finish. Could end up finishing in the top ten, or they could.
3: Yeah, uh, and yeah. It, it just on. seemed like Sean yeah, Dyche as well didn't seem happy there, did he? He seemed look. He looked like he, he didn't was talking Jeff Hendrick. He wanted him to stay. Wanted him to sign a new contract, and the club wouldn't get it done. Where. John wanted to get it done and the club didn't back him, sort of, on it. So it just didn't seem great there. But I thought he might leave at the end of the season. He didn't. So, um, but they haven't really gone and replaced a few players that they've lost, from what I can see. Maybe, they, again, all these clubs are waiting near the end of the transfer window and the COVID situation and money is different now. So they don't know where they all stand TV money and that's been cut back. So, yeah, maybe they're waiting and waiting and waiting to see what sort of bargains they can get in the next week.
1: Uh, just before we let you go, uh, we can't uh, chat without mentioning the Ireland performance over the last week. Um, there's been a lot of reaction. There was people giving out, then people giving out, but people giving out. Where are you uh, now a few days out? Where it? are you thinking of it, it?
3: Brilliant. I'm the same as I was before. It's sort of exactly... Listen, it's exactly what I sort of expected. I knew to would be everyone giving out. Like, it's... it's. Um, you know, we uh, look at the two games. We could have easily won both games. We could have lost both games. But it's the start of uh, what is meant to be a long... Process of giving the manager time to build and change a a change a way that a style of play that everyone seemed to have become unhappy with and wanted to see a more modern style of football and it's going to take time and just have to get on with it and you know to expect something to change overnight and and yeah it's just Ireland we're we're never happy are we it's always about who we don't pick and who's not in the squad and you know what formation we don't play it's never about. You know, we're always looking to pick holes, and it, it seems we seem to be the worst in the world for it. Um, you know, I don't see the same. Maybe, maybe it's every country's the same, and we're just looking at ourselves. But it—I I thought there was plenty of positives and lots to build on, and lots of new players in there getting their feet under the table, getting used to being international footballers. The manager getting used to being an international senior manager, um, biggest job he's ever had. All these things, I think, under circumstances, we did quite well. I think he looked quite settled. Um, Stephen Kenny spoke well and I don't think he's the type of guy who's going to panic. I think he should stick with what he's doing, the, the way he's trying to play and give it. We need to give him plenty of time. We don't do well in the next few weeks. It doesn't matter. We don't win the nation or get, you know, top our nation's league. It doesn't matter. It's, it matters for seeds and all, but they're basically glorified, friendly games. It's, it's not, you know, to me, it means nothing. they're, they're means to an end to get him, get a chance to get his feet under the table and play some games and get his point of view across big game obviously against Slovakia but you know um, if we really wanted to, to stick with what we knew and, and you know do what we we're going to do we should have stuck with Mick for that game and if we're giving it to Stephen Kenny let him build his way and do his thing and if we don't qualify for the others, it's not the end of the world give him another campaign and in a year and a half's time if things aren't going well, then you worry about it. but don't like moaning after is two training sessions and one game and everyone's like just you're right, two extremes, one over positive and one over negative, and it's as usual in, in life and football and everything is somewhere in the middle. So um yeah, yeah you know, that's where I stand that it's to see people get so agitated so quickly, it just makes you smile. Patience
1: is a virtue, so thanks a million, Kevin. Oh, yeah. We'll chat to
3: you again soon. No worries, Mark. Talk to you soon. Bye that's
1: Great stuff there from Kevin Donny. I have to say, I, I can't, I couldn't get over the reaction to Stephen Kenny's first couple of games in charge. Not necessarily people giving out, but the people who were like, "Don't you dare be given out!" <laughs> not that I'm not saying they're wrong, obviously, or anything. It's just that I think the the animosity towards the people who had animosity towards Stephen Kenny uh, was way, way out was way out of proportion to the actual amount of people who were actually given out. I didn't see that much in terms of people. Coming yeah. out. This is desperate.
2: And like, as Kevin says, like, it's just in our nature as football fans to be moaning. So yeah. like, that's kind of all we know. It's all we've ever really known. And like if ever there was a opportunity to moan, it was like, you know, to you know, kind of a, we snatched the draw against Bulgaria. Beating at home with Finland. I mean, these two teams are like much lower than us in the FIFA rankings. Um, I think they're, you know, I don't. Yeah, it's like, who are these people telling us? Why are you telling us not to moan? It's all we know. What? It's all we know how to. It's the only way we know how to, <laughs> to respond to football. So, like, let us have our moan about it. And um, I don't know. I think there are fair questions that I thought I John Giles and Ian Dolphy were very, like, I thought, sort of positive, but kind of critical in a good way uh, when, on their own on the stand podcast talking about you know look it's promising but like there might be some mistakes that Kenny's making so um, hopefully yeah. I, I think you know, as Kevin
1: was saying it's a couple of training sessions time will tell uh, when actually <laughs> like it's actually it's worth the experiment as he was saying it's worth going for a campaign and we'll try this and if it doesn't work we can go back we can Get Mick in for a third term <laughs> and, uh, in a few years to go back to the way it is. But like, it's that thing, it's already, some of the things are actually really positive to see so quickly that they've turned around the way they're playing a little mm. bit. But obviously, the results weren't up to scratch. But anyway, Premier League, uh, we've got the predictions from Kevin. Now I want the predictions from myself and yourself. So we're going to go to the same ones and maybe have a look through the Labrook's website to see if there are sticks out. So, very quickly, Johnny, who's going to win and who's going to be in your top four? Uh, I have the exact
2: same top four that Kevin has. So Liverpool, City, United, and uh, and Chelsea. But I think I'm going to stick my head out on the block here, and I'm going for Chelsea to win the league.
1: What? Yeah, look at all the players they brought in. Chelsea to win the league. Well, this is it. This could like I'm feeling kind of what Kevin said about Leeds. This could go horribly. What wrong for Chelsea, or it could go brilliantly. Um, yeah. I'm not sure yet. I'm kind of on the fence as to which it is. Anyone who listens to the podcast regularly will know that we set and make our favorite pastime. Is uh, ripping the piss out of uh, Frank Lampard, but uh, yeah. look, I, I, I well believe you, right? Uh, in terms of the fact that the, the, if the signings work out, they have a chance. They're ten to one, they're third favourites to win the league. Mm-hmm. I still think though, I'm going to go with Liverpool. I'm going Liverpool at two to one. I don't understand why they're being written off as much as they are. Not written off, no. I mean, two to one isn't writing someone off, but just that I would have thought if you were looking at it, the night Liverpool won the league. I would say surely Liverpool are strong favourites to win the, to retain the title. They were so much better than everybody. Um, I know Man City had a good, a good enough uh, end of the season, but they were seemingly the hammer teams are getting beaten by the likes of Southampton. So I don't know. Mm. And then top four, I'm going to go for something a little bit different just for the crack. Uh, I've got Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, and Arsenal. So mm. Arsenal are 5-2 uh, to, to finish in the top four. They're the fifth favourite forward to have It is a big jump up from eighth, as we said. Mm. But I was just looking at... I'm just looking at if Man United... If they don't get that second half of the season that they got, the post-lockdown thing. And if, say, there's trouble and Olig has... I don't know when... If they do a Tottenham on it, basically. We're talking last season. And, you know, they get in Pochettino mid-season or something. Some sort of upheaval. That Arsenal... Like, Arsenal have beaten Liverpool. They've beaten Chelsea they've beaten Man City in like three of their last five or six games so like I know they're uh, it's the FA Cup and it's the uh, charity shield or community shield or whatever it's called these days but uh, I don't know I just think they're an interesting. I have a lot of interest in them going into the season
2: Yeah if you were looking at a team just to sort of come out of nowhere and, and surprise everybody I think they, they're they sort of the end of the season just doesn't feel that long ago and I think they're going to bring the most momentum forward I think Arteta's like Kevin was saying, seems to be a good communicator and have a plan. So, yeah, I, they're the ones that kind of strike me as, like, they kind of underperformed last year, at least before Arteta came in. So, I, yeah, they would be the team to me that would sort of crack it. I'm, I am just think Liverpool are sort of just due with, like, some bad luck or maybe a big injury to Van Dyke or something like that. Like, they've, had, they've kind of had – if you look at those – the two seasons back-to-back, you know, the whole – the previous season to last year, where they were so good and just fell short, and then everything up to sort of the lockdown, like just the mental strength that they all show week in, week out. I, th- I don't know if it can be replicated um, and sort of consistently. And I think, you know, they've got that monkey up their back now. And I could just see them just sort of like slipping it, slipping, becoming more mortal. Um, I'm not so sure about, like, I think City, there's just something there. That just seems like slightly broken with them. Um, like, but I don't know. I, I, think, there's a, I think there's a chance. To, like, uh, Chelsea would be... I think it's so fun to hate Lampard. But, like, you look at the, the players that they brought in, and maybe Silva has a good year. And I don't know if they could defend a little bit better. Like, they're, they could outscore most teams. So, yeah. uh, I, I, I think it's fun that they're good. It's nice to have a villain, you know, good to have a heel.
1: Yeah, definitely. I you know, I, I, I get thorough enjoy following them. They're always there's never a dull moment. Um, who do you think's going to get relegated?
2: I Mick's not here, so I think we can very safely say that Villa's going down. I think yeah, without a right, 15 days, Like we can relegate yeah. them. I just think they're they were a joke last year. The, the sort of lockdown helped them out, but like they've managed to hold on to Grealish. I don't see or it seems that way. And the lad they're bringing in from Brentford, you might you probably watch them more than I have, but like. I don't think he's necessarily the answer. Is Pepe Reina still hanging around? I have a lot of questions about Villa and I think they were lucky last year and I think they're... I think they're, I wouldn't be surprised if they finish last.
1: Yeah, I think Reina's gone, but they haven't gotten in a goalkeeper yet. There's talks of different offers. I think it was... Who were they trying to get in? Um, Butland and the likes or uh, Heaton or But like... Or sorry, Heaton still out injured for them, I mean. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm right now Villa. I'm right now Fulham. And then my third one, I'm going for Crystal Palace. I don't okay. know this could have, like Kevin said, it could have been anybody, but I just said, right, Crystal Palace, this is the year. It could have been Bournemouth, could have been, Newcastle could have a terrible, the one time that I, uh, everybody's not worried about them, maybe that ends up in that West Ham the same, but I, I think Palace.
2: Yeah, I had, Um, I, I wrote, I wrote Vill sorry, I wrote Villaf. I wrote uh, Fulham off, just like you did, just, they seem like, they, like, two years ago, they just spent loads of money to sign guys, now I think maybe they're not signing anybody, uh, either way, it seems like it's flawed, and then, I think it's one of these teams that's just been hanging around for a while, a West Ham, maybe Brighton, or as you were saying, Crystal Palace. But um, I, for me, I'm, I'm with Kevin, I think West Ham, there's bad, there's, they're just, there's bad karma around the club. And if Mark Noble is sort of tweeting in, uh, in anger about club decisions and they're selling good young players to like, main relegation opposition... Uh, the yeah. omens aren't good,
1: and I—that's—that they're my my pick to go down. Lastly, I think um, actually just on oh yeah, Palace are actually nine to four on Labbrooks so are the four favourites. You got Villa, West Brom, and Fulham are the three favourites to go down. Newcastle, interestingly, are fifth favourites. I thought it would have been given that they've signed half of Bournemouth that would have been uh, considered to be a little safer. But anyway, uh, anything that stick out that uh, any mad predictions you got for the season? I'm looking at. It, on Labbrox, you can get the top London club, and I've gone Arsenal are ten to three. That would be if they were to finish ahead of Chelsea, though. So I don't know about that one. I'm just going to throw it out here. Obviously, Leeds cap on Leeds finish in the top six at ten to one. I think they could do a she- Sheffield United on it and go. Even was it Sheffield United finished seventh? Was it? Um, was it ninth? You ended up, but ninth, uh, ninth. ninth. So they're in the hunt for the Champions League places up until the last. Um, last few weeks of the season up until just post lockdown so I think Leeds could do that and maybe go one for them maybe break into the top six like Leicester did last season
2: I was looking at a lot of Chelsea bets for the season for some reason and like if you're interested in Chelsea having a good year I think Chelsea top of Christmas at 7-1 to one is uh, oh. is interesting because like I think that's sort of like you know the, you, you figured they'll probably don't have enough in them to win the season out, but you can see them start like it could start real strong for them or whatever um, and also like I'm interested in Werner at 12-1 to 1, to be top score um, second top score in the Bundesliga last year again this is all kind of hinging on Chelsea being good but like you know there's I think there could be value there just considering that like there will be goals in that Chelsea team and if, if he's taking penalties then um, yeah, he, he could have a good
1: season without a doubt um, if you are having any bets across the football season or indeed for this weekend be sure to gamble responsibly you can visit Dunlouis.net for more information. But before we move off this weekend's or this Premier League uh, action for this weekend, it is time to play one 2 free, Donny. It's your chance, everybody listening and us, to win 100 euro cash by correctly predicting the score of three of this weekend's football matches on labrooks.com. It's free to play. If you get one score right, you get a euro free bet. If you get two right, you get a five euro free bet. If you get all three, you win 100 euro cash. The games this weekend are all around the Premier League. Obviously, that's back. It starts... With the big one Saturday evening at half five, Liverpool against Leeds. Johnny, give me your score prediction.
2: Um, very exciting game. I, this is going to come up in my big shout as well, but I'm going two all.
1: Two all? Yeah. Oh, I was going to be... I was like, I can't say two all here. I'm not going to get away with predicting that Leeds are going to get a result against Liverpool. But now that you've gone for it, I'm going for it as well. Because I was torn between 2-1 and Liverpool or two all. So I'm going to say two all as well, Liverpool Leeds. I'm so excited for this game. I can't wait. Saturday, if it cannot come soon enough. uh, It's it's going to be... It's just going to be total football. Between both teams... It's like the two best teams in England, I think, to watch. uh, Finally up against each other. So I can't wait for this. The second game is then Sunday at 2 o'clock West Brom against Leicester. I'm not entirely, I'm not hugely excited for this one, if I'm honest.
2: No, this is, this is like, this is, this really feels like Premier League on a Sunday in the middle of February. And you're just like, what am I doing with my life watching these matches? But uh, I I, kind of like West Brom a bit this year for some reason. I like Village. Uh, This feels like a one all to me.
1: One all. I'm going to go. 2-1, Two one, I think Leicester. I'm also kind of thought. i have also leaning towards one all, but we have to differ here somewhere. I'm going to say two one <laughs> yeah. to Leicester to get off the season. But I do you think? Actually, no. I'm going back to one all because like the, the the promoted teams always get that big performance for open day of the season. I know Norwich ended up getting uh, seeing a load of goals against Liverpool last year, but they were starting with half a squad and they were attacking. And the next day, I remember Pookie got a hat trick against Newcastle. So I think the the promoted clubs always get that kick. So I'm going to say that they'll be living on that kind of uh, that boost and they'll get a one-all draw against Leicester and then finally half four on Sunday Tottenham Hotspur against Everton Everton who have signed all the midfielders in the world Tottenham who have signed Matt Doherty. this is an interesting one why would you go with in this Tony?
2: I think Everton are going to continue to be so unpredictable and so confusing and that's why I think they're going to win 2-1 here away
1: (laughs) you're going 2-1 I'm going for a one-all draw again in this so I'm actually going I'm going for three draws here which wow. is uh, interesting that's three draws if I, if that actually as a treble that works out at 64 and a half to one on Labrooks for the three draws but uh, that's that, if that comes <laughs> off that's a big shout and a half uh, yeah. so good yeah, I go two all Liverpool leads one all West Brom and Leicester and one all Tottenham Everton you're going two all one all and you say two one to Everton that's right there you have it. You can get on to labbrooks.com right now yourself. Play one, two, three. As I mentioned, if you get all three scores right, you will win yourself €100 euro cash. And speaking of winning things, up next, it's our big shout. Well done, Sharpie. Come, come on,
3: on first. Come on. Come right, Hold it. David. Just hold it, Alan. Push him out.
2: Steady. David, don't. Get round. No, don't.
1: Yes, big shout time. It is your chance to win yourself two cakes and a sports biography. The most coveted prize in all of sports, media, broadcasting, all broadcasting really, all of pod, the podcast world. Everybody wants to win it. Nobody can except for the two boys that have managed to do it already, Oshin and Jermud. But us in here, we've been doing it every week and nobody's pulled it off. Donnie, you came very close last week. You've earned yourself another go at it. A prediction that is twenty-five to one or greater for the sporting weekend. If it comes off, you will win yourself two cakes in the sports biography. Anybody else can send us in their own predictions. send them to the gaffer at boss.e, put the big shout in the subject line. You don't even put the bet on, just send us what the odds are on Labrooks. And if it comes off, you'll win yourself that covered prize. Donnie, what are you going with this weekend? What is your prediction?
2: All right, Mark, yeah. I'm delighted to have won the the right to um, to, to come back to the stage here, at the main stage and try to have another cut at the um at the that's a big shout. Last week I went for three bets. This week I'm going to go in for four bets, and I think that's probably seeds of my own downfall. But anyway, look, that's neither uh, that's here nor there. Just rattle through these. The NFL season starts Thursday night, Friday morning for Irish people. I think the uh, I think it, there's, it's been the weirdest offseason of all time. There's been no preseason. Uh, and the season kicks off with the Kansas City Chiefs against the Houston Texans. Uh, I think it's going to be a weird – Crazy game. These teams, I think, scored 88 points when they played last time. So I've got the over at 56 and a half points. I'm going to take take the points there over 56 and a half. That's 21 to 20, basically, even that. So I'm going there. Moving on to the Pro 14 final at the weekend. I really think that Ulster fans are in buoyant form at the moment based after the, that big win last weekend. You'll be talking to Stevie Ferris soon. Um, I, I, I'm interested to hear what he thinks, but I really think Ulster have a very good chance of um, of of holding on, and it's not maybe not beating Leinster, but definitely making it a close game. Leinster are on this very tough run of games, uh, week in week out. and I think they're just trying to play within themselves, not go mad. Um, it was close enough, while never really being in doubt against Munster. And I think it'll be sort of the same. I'd say Leinster to win, but I think it'll only be a try in it. So I'll go Ulster with the handicap plus ten points. Uh, and then the Premier League seasons back. We're both pumped for for Liverpool and Leeds on on Saturday, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the. Uh, In one, two, three, I like a two-all draw. So I'm going for more than two and a half goals and both teams have scored five to four. And then on, I believe it's on Sunday, West Ham versus Newcastle, two teams are going to be scrapping for relegation. I think this is going to be a terrible match with only very little scoring. And I've got the under 1.5 goals there at 23 to 10. Take those four bets, which are all kind of around even money. And it says that my um, odds are 28 to one. So uh, should this accumulator come good for me, I think. I'll be doing okay. Wow.
1: That's, I, I, that's a really interesting uh, big shout. Like, there's nothing... First of all, I think you're trying to speak me up but also to beat the handicap and the Leeds thing, although they haven't gone for a draw but uh, for <laughs> at least backing up, there's going to be an entertaining game. So, uh, yeah. I thank you for that. Uh, it's always okay. good to speak the presenter up when you're on this yeah. podcast. Um, and yeah, I like all of them. Uh, it is definitely... There's nothing I can argue with there, really. West Ham, Newcastle could end up, I think, maybe being a few goals in it but... yeah. I, I can un- I completely see your logic in it. So look, that could be. This could be the one. This could be the time you finally do it, Donnie.
2: We're hoping so. I think I think I've got a good chance in about three or three of these. But I think something a lot. You know, the accumulators are very hard to pull off. But I, I look, we'll see how it goes. It's very hard to predict, like sports at the beginning of the season. You have nothing to base your base, base your assumptions on. But um, look, yeah. we live and hope, and maybe this will be the week
1: good stuff well thank you Donnie you're heading off now uh, thanks for joining us uh, and also anybody listening get your big shouts in you can send them to the gaffer at boss.e put big shout in the subject line it has to be 25 to 100 greater if it comes off you win yourself two cakes and a sports geography but before we go I am going to chat to Stephen Ferris ahead of this weekend's Pro 14 final between Leinster and Ulster so they we're delighted to be joined by Stephen Ferris. And Stephen, on Saturday evening, with about twenty minutes to go in Murrayfield, it wasn't looking like this podcast was going to be uh, too much of a celebrity one for two Ulster fans. But what a turnaround!
0: Yeah, what a turnaround! I'm not sure if it was brilliance by Ulster or uh, a capitulation by by Edinburgh. Very rare do you see a team actually freeze, you know, when they're put under pressure. And I think Edinburgh that definitely happened to them. Like Gilchrist giving away two really soft uh, penalties. That give Ulster the impetus to get into their 22, to get that uh, mall try and to give themselves hope. And I've been saying all week to people who, you know, don't follow the rugby on a regular basis, who are, are more or less just tuning in for these finals uh, because, you know, there is silverware in, at the end of it. It's being like in a football match and you're 2-0 down. And as soon as you go 2-1, like the, the team that's, you know, two nil up at the time, it's almost like they go into defensive mode and the team that's just scored, they empty their bench and they bring all the energy and they bring the belief. And I, I'm I'm sure there's I, I don't know the stats, but I'm sure there's a lot of stats out there that would would say if you get the two one that you know there's maybe thirty percent, twenty or thirty percent that you actually get the two two. And that for me that's exactly what happened in this in, in the, the Ulster Edinburgh game. As soon as they scored it was mistake after mistake from Edinburgh. Ulster got their tails up. They were counter-attacking, uh, counter-attacking. And they looked like the team, if it had went the extra time and the Madigan hadn't been able to kick that kick, that they would have won the game. It did not look at all like, like Edinburgh would win the game. So, yeah, it was bananas. Like, um, a 12-point lead is always dangerous. It's, you know, if Edinburgh had got the 15, I would have bet my house on on them winning that game. But that's not the case. And and fair play to Ulster. They show great character. Um, I think the team selection really paid off for Dan McFarland the way he went about things, the experience coming on at the end of the game. And it's going to be very interesting, Mark, to see what team selection is this week, considering you have Jack McGrath, you have other lads that used to wear a Leinster jersey, who I'm sure are gunning to start that match. Um, um Marty Moore as well in the front row. So yeah, it's it's gonna be a brilliant week.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like I mean, we look at team selection, when you think about it, we you know we've talked at Lent before with the strength and depth in Leinster, but I don't know if there's anyone come off the Ulster bench last weekend who didn't make an impact, a positive impact. So it's a lot of not just uh with the Leinster lads but a lot of good headaches for McFarland going into this game.
0: Yeah, and that's something that he hasn't had previously. Like you know, young Michael Larry coming on, and he was excellent in the fullback position. Now, Edinburgh didn't test him under the high ball really at all. And if you're playing with Rob Little and Michael Larry in your team, you know, they're, they're two um, reasonably small men in terms of their height. So you would expect Leinster to bombard them with, with aerial bombs. But in saying that, Dan McFarland strikes me as being a little bit ruthless. So, You know, if Jordy Murphy didn't cut it last week and Sean Reedy come on and played really well, but he wants to keep Matty Ray there for the balance of the back row with the line out and everything, that wouldn't surprise me if if he put Reedy, if he started Reedy ahead of Jordy um, because Reedy was fantastic or you keep the same with the lads on the bench. So it's brilliant that he has those options. I think he will change it ever so slightly this week. I think... um, if you're getting into this final with a lot of inexperience starting, that that could maybe backfire. And, and for the time you bring on the more experienced players, the game might already have, uh, have been and gone. So uh, I'm, I'm expecting a few changes. And if I was Jack McGrath, if I was Marty Moore, Jordy Murphy, um, John Cooney now, even though Albie Matheson's yeah. playing fantastically well, I would be banging the door of Dan McFarland saying, let me play this game. Let me start this game. Let me start this game. So, um, yeah, good headaches.
1: Yeah, definitely. And when you mentioned the Cooney-Matches and dynamic as well, it's like, yeah, did it so well it's a came command. Maybe that is the, even though, say there's an argument there that possibly he should be starting, that that kind of injection of pace, especially in, probably it's the way you're going to get at Leinster. If they're going to have any way, if you look even, you look at like, say months compared to months of performance of the weekend against them, like they just kind of have to Go all not all out guns blazing, but you know, just give it, give it a go and try and actually get at this team play like the type of rugby probably that you see in the build-up to Rob Little's try at the weekend.
0: That's easier said than done, though, Mark. Like, and um, a lot of people have been saying, you know, you got to take it to Leinster. You, you got to, you know, alternate to play like they did in the last twenty minutes against Leinster from the first whistle. I'm like going, OK, well, if one of those balls doesn't go to hand in your own half and you do make a mistake, Leinster are the best team in probably World Rugby for capitalising on those mistakes. So I think you got to a bit of caution as well. I think they got to retain possession more. John Cooney kicked away so much ball in the first half. A lot of those box kicks in his own half weren't particularly good. He got away with kicking a couple out on the full or one out in the full anyway. Uh, and Frank Murphy actually brought it back. Which he was lucky enough, and that was it. Would have been a great attacking uh, position for Edinburgh. So, yeah, like, would you say that Kirk was out, and you know they, they were taken off, or is there something underlying there? I've I've heard uh, on different pods and uh, newspapers and that he, he was carrying a bit of, a bit of a niggle through lockdown. Um, John Cooney, him talking about, so maybe. He's just not getting the training done. Maybe he's just lacking a little bit of confidence. Louis Ludit, who got beaten a couple of times on the on on the wing, he didn't look right up to the pace. So Gilroy, he started the Connick game. He didn't do particularly well in that game. Does he deserve another opportunity? Uh, so yeah, it's it's one of those ones where I I think it's brilliant that you have, that we're now talking Mark about having uh, Albie Matthewson putting pressure on Cooney. We have. Um, Ian Madigan putting pressure on Burns. Um, so, yeah, it, it hopefully will bring the best out of uh, the players that are starting at the weekend that they know they got up their game, or else, you know, Dan McFarlane might make another few changes at half time.
1: Yeah, and like from the Lancer perspective, I mean, we've talked a lot about Ulster here, and you're, a lot of Lancer fans are probably going, like, why well, are you going to give us our credit? But it's probably credit to them that, like, what else is there left to say? I mean, on Friday night, that was—it's not a performance that uh, is going to live long in the memory. But it was one of those. That was like if you want to play this kind of way, we'll just get the job done.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. And like Lancer have averaged what uh, thirty-five and a half points or thirty-six points per game so far this season in the Pro Fourteen, and the last three games they haven't really been anywhere near that. So, yes, they're still getting the job done. But I feel if Ulster can score 15, 18 points in this game, that they'll be there or thereabouts. Um, personally, I don't feel that Ulster are going to win the game. I feel that Lencer are just on a different pedestal from everybody else at the minute. And I'm not sure too many people will, would disagree with that. And probably apart from the 23-man the squad that, that's going to go down and try and beat them at the Aviva and all the management. they <laughs> that day the dressing room. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Fair say, you're not going to win. Um, I think it's just going by stats, going by previous uh, encounters, going by form um, over the season, going by form and results over the last couple of weeks. Like, Mark, let's call it a spade of spade here. Ulster have played to their best potential for 20 minutes out of once 240 minutes. You know, that's the reality of it. And... Dan McFarland will be telling his players if they can put in 60 or 70 minutes of where they were in that last 20 minutes against Edinburgh, their discipline, their set piece, their ruling mall, their defence, their pressure, then they're in with a shot of winning this game. So, yeah, Leinster for me has maybe played uh, you know half of what they can and, and Ulster obviously a lot below that. So, yeah, um, I can only see the result going one way and I hope I'm absolutely wrong
1: in terms of the handicap just looking here on labbrooks.com it is uh, Ulster plus 10 do you think they can beat the handicap?
0: Yeah I think they can beat the handicap uh, yeah again like the, the bookies have got it spot on haven't they really um, yeah. I, would pro- I would probably go on, on the draw on the spread that, that wouldn't be a bad it's usually 25 to 1 the draw on the spread it's
1: exactly so 25, to if, uh,
0: yeah. 25 to 1 so if Leinster win by 10 points um, you know 10 quid and that, you can fairly rack it up. Uh, and they're they're not far away. They're usually not far away. So, um, yeah, that would be an outside bet for me if I was putting a few quid on the match this weekend. Um, otherwise, uh, I'll go with my, my Ulster team, uh, expect a big performance by them, and try and get within that 10-point gap. However, it would not surprise me if Leinster turned it up and rattled through the gears And put 30 points. We all know what happened back in 2012, Mark. I was there. We beat Edinburgh in a semi-final at the Aviva. And we went out and got absolutely spanked uh, in Twickenham uh, a few weeks later. And got beaten by over 40 points. A record score in a European Cup final. So uh, there's not too many lads in that dressing room experienced that. If any. Or even in the management. So fingers crossed it's not even brought up. Because I feel that they can put in a, a much better showing than me and the team did back in 2012 when we played against Leinster in the final
1: yes definitely set up for an intriguing match. thanks very much Stephen for taking the time to chat to us and we'll talk to you again soon no worries Mark cheers that's it from us today thanks to Stephen, to kevin doyle and also to donnie for joining me on the show today and thank you for listening you can subscribe to the podcast by searching the Build Up on balls.e on all good podcast apps if you leave a rating and review while you're there it would mean an awful lot to us if you're having a bet over the weekend please do gamble responsibly you can visit dunlewy.net for more information but until we chat to you next week mind yourself